Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts that guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by sponsors like Johnsonville Foods, SwineWeb.com, Swine Robotics, Innovative Heating, the manufacturers of Hoghearth, and SwineTech, the award-winning creator of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how you can reduce piglet crushing and your overall pre-winning mortalities by nearly 25%, visit SwineTechnologies.com. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. My name is Matthew Rota, your host for today's episode. Today, we're going to talk about having the power and the ability to create the future that you want. And joining us today is Mr. Torque and Sawyer Whistler. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great. Great. How are you? Doing wonderful. And it's awesome to have the opportunity to get you up on the podcast today. Your story of what you guys have been doing lately is really cool and really interesting and I think will inspire a lot of people. So I'm really excited to talk with you about not just what you're doing today, but also what got you there. So if you wouldn't mind starting out, uh, just telling us about Thistle Do Farm and how you guys got in the pork industry. Um, so I'll, I'll start first. Um, I've, I basically grew up in southeast Iowa on the farm that we live on today. Um, we were, my dad had 160 sows, farrow to finish, and I was the youngest of three sons, so we all got our turn uh, doing the day-to-day. And um, so it was pretty much ingrained on me from the start. And when, when my dad got out, uh, I stepped in and, and took over the farrowing operation. And um, in the late... In the late 90s, like a lot of people, uh, it got pretty tough, and we made the tough decision that we were going to get out of farrowing, and we kept the grain operation. We started custom finishing pigs, and then that's how I got into the pig industry, um, doing construction and later sales and later involved with Eichelberger Farms. And so the swine industry for me has been, I've been involved in it pretty much my whole life. Yeah, and as far as, far as for me, um, I didn't get started in the swine industry probably till I was a junior in high school. Um, since dad was always kind of on the road doing sales, uh, we I didn't really work into the buildings that he had built till junior year, and I started getting into it a little bit, little by little, junior year, and then senior year, I kind of started full-time choring the pigs, learning everything, and then um, I decided not to go to college and jump right into the farming operation right away. And I'd take care of our barns as, uh, on the farm. So that's kind of how I got into the pig industry and I'm here ever since. So, and Sawyer, like when you say junior in high school, you're, you're that's what, 2015, 2014, yep. uh, 20, no, it'd be about 2017, I think. Okay. Or, yeah. 2017. Yep. And for, for both of you, I guess, before starting This'll Do Farm, which we'll get to, what were some decisions or moments along the way that 
made you who you are today before starting this? And maybe that goes more towards torque, but uh, also so are you as well. Well, um, we were, as we were talking about this this morning, you know, I think one of the two, two pivotal moments I would say for me was one, 1998, um, sitting in my banker's office, looking at the numbers and realizing that pretty much everything that I thought was going to be my future was not going to be my future. Because growing up, I always had the assumption that, you know, we were just going to keep doing what we were doing. And um, I was going to raise my family the way my parents raised, raised me and my brothers. And um, it, it, was a, it was a tough moment when my wife and I had the conversation that, well, you know, we, we're going to sell this. We're going to sell the place. We, we, had, we had bought a, a small farrow-to-finish operation of our own that was fairly close to uh, our family farm, and we actually kind of merged the two, and we were farrowing on one site, nursing at one site, and then finishing on both sites. And we made the decision that we were going to sell the sows and we were going to rent the buildings out. And part of that was Torque was going to have to go get a job because the, the, the farrowing operation wasn't going to, wasn't going to sustain us. So that was, that was totally a pivotal moment. And I often think about today how different life would have been if somehow, some way we would have been able to keep farrowing. And I don't, it, it, a lot of things would have changed. Um, a lot of things did change, but you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And, um, it was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. Although at the time, uh, it didn't seem that way. And the second really pivotal moment for me was the day that I interviewed for the head the head serviceman fire up guy job for precision structures. Um, I interviewed with Claude Griner and that was the first time I'd ever met Claude Griner. And I'll never forget I was I was uh I didn't know near as much as what I probably like to have people think that I did. And he asked me the question, he said, he said, if I've got this finishing building that we just put up and we send you out to to fire it up and set the controller, uh, how do you do that? And I had a hunch that Claude, being a salesman, didn't know any more about setting a control on a hog building um, than my wife probably did. And I didn't know what brand of control he was talking about or who had wired it, but I just said to him, I looked him in the eye and I said, however you want it done, Claude. And he patted me on the back and he goes, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. And that was the start of a great relationship that I had with him. But it also, precision structures showed me where the industry was going and how big the contract finishing world was as far as the volume of buildings that were being built and I traveled all over the country and that is what convinced me um, to start building buildings on our family farm because at that point our 
we had about uh, we had about twelve hundred finishing spaces that we rented to a local integrator, smaller integrator, and those buildings were in pretty poor shape. And we were grain farming. You know, I was doing that on the side, but I was really just treading water uh, is what we were doing. And that opened my eyes, PSI did, and I built my first uh, 2,400 head finisher in 2010 and um, built the second one five years later and then built the third one uh, three years ago. And ha if I would have never... I owe, I owe a lot to Claude. If I would have never made that jump, um, I think life would be a lot different. And, and also for Sawyer and my whole family. I mean, that's kind of what kept me connected to the industry. And that's also what opened my eyes to where the future was going. And, those, and then I guess that kind of put you in a position where you are today, where you both started This'll Do Farm. Would you mind yes. telling us what is This'll Do Farm and what inspired it? So This'll Do Farm is our online brand, brand around our family farm. And pretty much what it is, is my dad and I produce content around our lives is running the family farm while educating people about agriculture. Um, going back to kind of, I'm going to go backwards just a little bit. Kind of my key moment was, you know, not deciding to go to college and going right into the farming space right away. And I saw the power of social media when I was fairly young. I saw that I always kind of wanted to build an online brand. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know if I wanted to be a fitness person or an online uh, coach or what I wanted to do, but I always knew I wanted to do something around the, the means of social media. And I saw, I saw a lot of misconceptions out there. I saw a lot of misinformation about agriculture and it just kind of clicked in my head. The light bulb went off and I was like, well, you know, why don't I just start a brand around our farm showing people how we do things and teaching people how we do things. And that's kind of just how it started. And um, it started out kind of just me, you know, with my camera, not really knowing what I was doing. And as we kept going and kept going and kept going, I learned more and more and more. And I started getting dad on the camera and <laughs> it just kind of, it's just kind of evolving as we go. And it's, it's starting to really jump. I think, I think we're starting to really get some traction and, it's pretty awesome to see, but yeah, that's kind of what it is and how we got about doing it. And so did you guys uh, model the name after that'll do pig from like babe or zombie? No, Dad, you got this one. I'll tell you what. So this'll do farm is, is a lot older than, than everything we are today. So my dad, he started he grew up on the farm that we live on here today, but he left the farm, went to college. Uh, he, so to back up a little bit more, uh, my dad was 52 years old when I was born. I came, on, I came along kind of late in life, but part of that was because he got married late in life because he, he went to college, the University of Colorado, World War II was going on. He got drafted. He ended up going to the Air Corps. He ended up being a fighter pilot. He flew P-51 Mustangs in Europe, threw, flew 52 missions over there, came home, didn't know what he wanted to do. Uh, the GI Bill was going on, so he decided to go to law school. He went to law school, passed the Colorado uh, board, became a lawyer, realized that he hated lawyers and he never wanted to be one uh, <laughs> after putting in all that time 
1949, he came home to the family farm and started farming with his brother. And when his, when his mother died, his dad passed first, my grandpa passed. And when his mother passed, um, he inherited a one-third interest in 160 acres. And when he bought out his sister and his brother, and they went to record the, the deed, uh, someone asked him if he had a farm name, and he'd never thought about it. And he looked at my mother, and he said, well, I don't know. And she said, well, maybe that's it. And he goes, I guess so. Uh, it's going to be this'll do. Some may be better, but this'll do. And when I was a kid, we had a sign out by the road, and the sign said LS and three T's, and I was the youngest T, Todd, Trent, and Tork, Lawrence Shirley, Todd, Trent, and Tork, and it would say, it said, this'll do farm, cultivated to yield contentment. So when I built my first hog building, uh, I created an LLC, and my wife and I talked about it. It was like, what are you going to call this LLC? And I said, well, we'll just call it This'll Do Farm. And so that's kind of where This'll Do came from. And when Sawyer started um, his path, he just decided to call it This'll Do. That is awesome. That is awesome. So when you guys are filming these videos, you guys get pretty candid with one another. You guys are goofing around. You're having some fun while also educating listeners on what's really going on in the farm. Why are we feeding pigs the way we do? Why are we handling the way we do, moving them? What, is, what does it all mean? What roles do you each play in these episodes? Well, <laughs> I'd say that my dad is probably the comedic relief he has a lot of great one-liners he's kind of the he's kind of the side character and i'm kind of the more serious one i'm kind of the one that's like here's what we're gonna do today uh and then we do it and then i put the camera dad and he kind of gives the laugh and everybody laughs at it and i do all the editing content creation i'm more of the creative and kind of the i don't know brains of the uh, whole uh social media content and my dad's just kind of you know, you're just, yeah. I, I started out as the monkey cam. Uh, I was never, <laughs> it was never intended at the start that I was going to be in these videos. And then at some point, uh, we got a GoPro, uh, headband and it was like, here, dad, put this on. And, uh, you know, it was fun to watch me struggle to climb this or pick this up or whatever. And then it, it's, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm amazed uh, how far we've come, and it's really interesting because mundane things that happen that, you know, you just, we don't even think about, that's, we don't even think about what we do every day as being very interesting, but some of the comments that we've gotten from people, I mean, people, they want to know the why of everything, and um, so I'm just kind of the, I'm just kind of the, sometimes I'm the doer when it comes to the, like the fixing, when we fix stuff or when, you know, the why as to how, why this is built this way. I give the, I give the random facts and Sawyer makes it all look good because I don't know how, I don't have the patience to do what he does, but, um, we make a good team. So how do you come up with new episodes, Sawyer? How do you come up with ideas? And uh, do you have a funniest thing that's ever happened in one of your episodes? So 
basically how we do our episodes and how we come up with ideas is, I mean, basically we just, we got, we got, we set out what we're going to do this week on the farm, what we need to have done and we go do it and we just whip out the camera and we just show that. I mean, sometimes we'll have comments to say, you know, show us around your barn, show us the, you know, technology you have in your barn. Then we'll make a specific video, you know, dedicated to that. But most of the time it's just us doing our jobs that we got to do around the farm and we just got the camera with us. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this. Um, it has really changed how we look at, at everything that happens because in the past, if something broke or something went wrong or, uh, you know, you name it, you would look at that and you'd get mad about it. And it's funny because now when something breaks, we'll both look at each other and go, well, that's a good, you know, that's a good clip because <laughs> it, it really changes your perspective on how you view your day-to-day -day activities. Yeah, it's always, there's always something new to show when any, anytime something breaks, right? Or if a pig gets right. out, oh, that's something new. Yeah, it's, you know, it's annoying, but it's like, well, that'll be good content, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so. Now then the other, the flip side of that is it also creates a whole new layer of stuff that will ruin your day. Like when that stuff happens and you didn't bring the GoPro yeah, or when you're doing something and forget to hit the record button, you forget to, or you didn't bring that extra battery and you're thinking, uh, you know, we've got too much time invested. We're going to have to go and we're going to have to reshoot whatever, yeah. or we're going to have to stop. Um, it's not, I think, well, and we might get into that, but one of the misconceptions that I get from people who know us is, you know, they, they think that it's pretty easy that, you know, you just get a camera and you run around and you do this. And, mm -hmm. and I have the easy part of it, but you have no idea the amount of time that it takes to make to make 10 minutes look good on YouTube. I mean, it's an unbelievable amount of footage that goes into 10 minutes. So yeah, and I'd guys, say, sorry about that. No, go ahead. I'd say the funniest thing that's happened so far in any of our videos is we were pulling rubber mats out of, well, we were putting rubber mats into the building to start up the building for wiener pigs. And <laughs> We were, we were going into the building in the side door and my, we were coming back out to grab another mat and my dad completely just fell and rolled his ankle and he had the GoPro on his head and I had the camera set up, my camera set up at a different angle and you can just see him from both angles just falling, you know, cussing and just, oh, son of a gun and it was hilarious and the viewers <laughs> got a really good kick out of that. Yeah, and the viewers got the heavily edited version of yeah. <laughs> Because I had a lot to say when that happened. Because Sawyer had to point out that the first trip that we made in, I almost, I almost tripped because the concrete was unlevel. And then somehow I forgot, and I did the exact same thing again and then rolled my ankle. And one of the other funny things that happened was we were, we were working on lining uh, part of our machine shed. And Sawyer had the GoPro, and I got up that morning and I was feeling pretty ambitious. So I went over there and started working on it and me not being very tech savvy. Now I wouldn't do this today because now that I'm, I'm, I know, I know better. I've been trained, but I just thought, well, I'll just shoot it with my phone. And so I shot, you know, I don't know, 20 minutes of video of me, um, 
of stripping out the wall and getting it ready for steel. And I was so proud of myself and I sent it to Sawyer and <laughs> my phone rings almost instantly because I didn't know that if you shoot video on an iPhone, uh, you vertically, vertically, it won't work on YouTube. You got to shoot it landscape. And oh, so I didn't even know that. Yeah. So all the footage I shot was worthless to him. And, and he pretty much let me know when he <laughs> thought about my, uh, my technical prowess. Yeah. So why is it so important that we as farmers share our story? Well, I think it's very important because if we don't tell our story, the other side will. And what I mean by the other side is I think animal rights activists, vegans, they're trying to paint a story of, of farmers in a bad light, in a negative light, and they're not going to tell a truthful one. They're going to tell the story they want to tell. And, it, you know, if us as farmers tell the story ourselves of people that are actually doing it, you know, our livelihood, you know, our livelihood revolves around this and um, we tell the story, it's going to shut up anything that they say. So I think it's very important that us as farmers do that. Well, when you see it, it's real, right? I mean, we can touch, right. feel, or see it, or hear it, and understand what's going on. It changes everything. And it might not just even be the vegans and the animal rights activists. I was in a sow farm with my girlfriend a couple years ago, and I'm helping move pigs. So I pick up a pig, upper thigh, and she's like, what are you doing? Why are you picking up the pig like that? And I'm like, because that's how it likes to be picked up. And I'm like, fine, you go pick up a pig normal. Well, she picked it up normal. It screamed at her. And then she picked mm -hmm. it up the way I picked it up, and she's like, you're right. Oh my goodness. I never would have known. Like there's so many things you would never expect or know unless you actually do it or watch it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, that's one of the things that has really surprised me in, you know, grow, I, I grew up raising pigs and some of the questions we get, it's really interesting how engaged and how curious people are because you know, you get caught up in your day-to-day -day activity and there's a lot of things that we do that you don't give it a second thought, but people are very interested in the why. And, and, and when you show them, when you show them the why, I think it's so much more powerful than to just tell, um, to see it. Like you said, to see it, it's, it's a very powerful um, uh, experience for people when they have that curiosity about whatever it is. Do you guys have a question that was asked that just completely threw you uh, um, unexpected, uh, something that you never would have thought people would ever ask? Mm, I'm, I'm sure we think. have. I'm trying to think. Um, I can't really think of one right now. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I guess, so what, what might individuals from the pork board or national pork producers council or the leaders in our industry learn from what you guys have been doing to engage with consumers? Well, I think that what we, and, and it's not just, it's not just uh, the pork board, agriculture in general, all of your commodity groups and really all of us, you know, here I'm, I'm almost 50 years old and without Sawyer, I mean, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be doing this. It, it, it's the technology is amazing and the speed at which change has come to social media 
and to how people get their information is, is really surprising. And a lot of your traditional media does not have the same um, audience, doesn't have the same impact that it used to. And, and I'm, you know, I get every farm magazine that everybody else does. And for the most part, I barely touch them. Um, I get most of my information from uh, articles off LinkedIn, off of, you know, uh, Twitter, off of uh, Instagram, um, uh, conferences, online conferences, stuff like that. And it's so, it's so easy to me uh, to find what I'm looking for without having to go, you know, hope that that article comes out in a magazine. And I think all these industry groups, it comes down to, it's much more powerful to show than it is to tell. We've gotten really good at telling. Um, you know, we put out ads and we put out flyers and direct mail, but that's nothing compared to the power of social media. Of social media. And I'll give you an example. And this, you know, this is worth exactly what you pay for it. But there's a guy named Malcolm Reed, and he's a barbecue guy. And that man has over a million subscribers. And I'll, I'll just say, I'm not, I was not a very good barbecue, barbecue person until I started watching some of his videos. And he's really good at what he does. But you have over a million subscribers to that guy. If I was, if I was merchandising pork, if I was, if I was running the, the, the pork board, Malcolm Reed would have all the free pork that he could grill because the impact that guy makes and the audience he has, you can't get that from any magazine. I mean, it, it's just, it's incredible the opportunities that are out there, but you really have to think outside the box. It's, it's a whole different world today. There's, there's such an opportunity to leverage influencers now on social media to show or tell what right. it means to be a pig farmer, yep. run a dairy. And people are interested in it. That's, that's the other thing that this has taught me. The connections that we have to people that are running dairies in Oregon and growing peanuts down south and raising cotton in, top, in Texas, the conversations we have and, um, and the exposure to different people that are doing things different than us, it's amazing. And then the other side of it is, even though they're in a different commodity and a different um, part of agriculture, the stuff we all share that we have in common and the problems we have that are the same that we all talk about, it, it's amazing. It's such a powerful platform to show your differences, but also to show what we all have in common. So yeah. at the beginning, we, we kind of talked about what moments or decisions made you who you are today from everything you've been working on with sharing your story and educating your viewers how has this changed your perspective of the industry as you move forward you've kind of shared a little bit but how might you summarize that well i'd say what i've learned from all this is it's really opened my eyes as far as what we can do as individuals and the power of social media like I didn't realize I was going to be able to just start this brand and it's going to reach as many people. And it makes me think further 
outside of just this will do farm. I'm thinking maybe I could, you know, eventually launch an online business one day, you know, doing direct to consumer pork or et cetera, et cetera, launching a merchandise company, something like that. Like it just completely opened my eyes to what is possible and what we can do as, you know, two farmers on a family farm. And the, the agricultural industry, and I would say the lack of education that goes with anymore is such an opportunity, right? If you're an independent producer or in the industry at all, you need a phone, a camera, maybe a -hmm. computer, maybe some editing software. Yep. It's a small investment to put out your story and potentially be entrepreneurial and creating a brand right. or, or, or just a movement. And mm-hmm. that is so awesome that you guys were able, either able to switch industries and, and, and pivot in that way uh, throughout the 90s and early 2000s or just decide I'm not going to college because there's enough opportunity here. Yep, exactly. That's exactly, that's exactly the reasoning. I think the last thing we'll wrap up with is just what golden nugget might you have to share with people listening? I would say my golden nugget for people listening is be innovative. Look for opportunities outside of what your dad did to grow the farm or what your grandparents did to grow the farm. You know, there's so many opportunities out there. You just have to look outside of the box of what everybody else is doing and you have to constantly stay innovative, see what's next. And that goes for every industry, not just agriculture in any business. Being innovative is what keeps you alive and keeps you relevant in anything. So I would say be innovative. Dad? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, I was thinking about, I was trying to think what, what nuggets I have. And I, I struggled with that. But I'll tell you, a few years ago, um, I, I watched a TED Talk that Brene Brown did. And in that, she, she quoted uh, Teddy Roosevelt. And it's a pretty famous quote. However, I, I hadn't heard it. But it's called The Man in the Arena. And I don't care what you're doing. I think it's, I think it's as relevant today as it was then. He gave that, I think, in like 1910. But the, the short, it, it was a 34-page speech that he gave. But, but this quote is just one small part of it. And I'll read it for you. And we'll end on that. But it's not the critic that counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly who errs, who comes up short again and again, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold, timid souls who neither know victory or defeat. And I have that, I have that quote uh, in, my, in my garage where you come out of the house, and I read it, I don't read it enough, but you know, um, a guy told me once that you can make a lot of mistakes in life if you find one thing that works, because if you, if you find that one thing, it'll make up for all the things you did wrong. And you know what? We all just got to keep trying and mistakes are how you learn. And we, we made, we have made plenty, 
but we just keep plugging away and now then we just take everybody along with us. <laughs> so. Uh, that is a great thing to share with everybody listening. And you, you, re- you mentioned Brene Brown and she is a very successful uh, speaker when it comes to these kind of concepts. And she, she even has a book I think called Daring yeah. Greatly. And so if people are hearing what you're saying and are thinking to themselves, that makes so much sense. I do encourage you to go look into Brene Brown as well, because I think there are a lot of things there that can help you learn about maybe yourself a bit better or or where you can make a bigger impact. Is is that fair? I'm not sure how much you listened to her stuff. No, 100%. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for joining the Popular Pig Podcast. This has been a real pleasure and I greatly thank you for your time. Thank you for having us. It's a great opportunity for us. We're very appreciative of it. And um, yeah, thank you much. Thank you much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. Therefore, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com and subscribe to receive updates when new episodes are available. Today's episode is brought to you by sponsors like Swine Tech. Leverage the power of computer vision, voice recognition, and real-time behavioral monitoring to reduce mortalities and labor inefficiencies in the farrowing house. For more information, visit swinetechnologies.com.